Well, hello and happy Palm Sunday. I am so excited to be speaking to you guys this morning. And for those of you that are new watching online, just want to say a special shout out and welcome to you guys. Well, as we begin this morning, I want to ask you a question. Um, when's the last time you kind of had like one of those like unexpected moments? Like, oh, you know, wow, that was unexpected. Well, recently, uh, a friend and I were chatting outside of a coffee shop and our wives were inside grabbing some coffees and we stayed outside uh, with strollers. And we kind of just began chatting about fatherhood and we began just chatting about some of the details and kind of, you know, fatherhood. And this lady came by and looked at the babies and, you know, was really nice and kind about, about them being, you know, oh, they're so cute and things like that. But anyway, as kind of conversation ended, I kind of just looked at my friend and began a conversation with him again and just said, hey man, do you ever have trouble like managing like the schedule of like the nap time and the feed time and like, you know, do, do you keep track of it well? Because I'm struggling to kind of stay on top of it and it's just, you know, Rachel does all the mental math so quickly and anyway, uh, out of the corner of my ear, I hear someone speaking to me as they're walking away and it was this, it was this lady again and she just said, write it down, don't be a lazy father. And uh, wow, it, I tell you, it kind of stopped me in my tracks for a moment. I, uh, I had said, wow, that was unexpected. I wasn't expecting that at all when, when she kind of made that comment. Um, I don't know about you, but have you ever had an unexpected moment? Have you ever had this uh, time when maybe something did not happen as you had planned or just maybe out of the blue? Well, when I think about Palm Sunday, I actually think there's one word that can kind of describe it well, and that is unexpected. See, everything about Palm Sunday was not really how the Jewish people, what they wanted, what they expected. And so much so, later on in the passage that we're reading today, you'll see it even brings Jesus to tears. See, in all of the Gospels, we see this moment recorded, each with some additional details that kind of make it a little bit more robust. It's this moment where Jesus enters Jerusalem, and in making his purposes clear for the first time, he seems to not really care about keeping his messiahship, his, his master plan quiet. Previously, in, in, in some of the stories you see of Jesus, he would heal people and tell them to be quiet, or he would talk to the disciples and tell them to be quiet. But here in this moment, he's letting everyone know that the king has arrived. And so let's read it together. I'm reading out of Luke 19, verse 28. It says this, After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethpage and Bethany, on a hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent out two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there. And, and then it will say, which no one has ridden, untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told, him, told them. And they were untying the colt, and its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. And so Jesus says, look, go and get, find this baby donkey, this colt, and if anyone asks you, just tell them that I need it. The Lord needs it, and that's important. The Lord needs it. Then Jesus proceeds to ride this donkey once he gets it and go into Jerusalem. Now, what's interesting about this date is this. Scholars tell us that on this day, it was the 10th day of the Jewish month Nisan, not like the, the vehicle, okay? But this was a special day in, in kind of the, the Passover season when families would go and find a lamb. They would go and find a lamb, and this was going to be the lamb that their family would sacrifice uh, uh, on the 14th day of Nisan. 
Now, Jesus arrives into town on a donkey on the same day where the Jewish families would choose a lamb for their families to sacrifice for themselves. And what's interesting is about this time, Jerusalem would balloon in population. It would go like five times as big as what it typically was. I mean, Josephus, who was a historian at that time, said that during one of the Passovers, they actually sacrificed over 250,000 lambs. And there was one lamb per family, and at these sacrificial moments, there'd be about 10 people per family. So we're looking at almost over 2 million people in Jerusalem during this season. And Skip Heitzig says that they would do everything to make sure that the community, the city was ready. They would clean everything, make it presentable. They would whitewash all the tombs. And they were, they were ready for this event, but what they were not ready for was what is about to happen. Jesus entering into the city, the craziness, the, 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 the crowds, the hype, on a donkey, declaring his kingship. See, understanding the significance of even this donkey is, is so important. Jesus chose a donkey to communicate something very intentionally. And it's interesting, actually, in other Gospels, it explains what's going on here. In Matthew 21, 4, it says this. It says, this took place, the donkey, kind of riding in to get a donkey. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. And the prophet said this, Zechariah said this, Say to daughter Zion, see that your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. Matthew discerns and describes this for us. He says, Jesus riding on a donkey is is to intentionally fulfill this prophecy about the coming Messiah. And I wonder if the disciples, as they kind of were going into town and said, oh my goodness, wait a second, Jesus is going into Jerusalem and he's told us to get this donkey. Could it be that he's going to... He's going to let everyone know that he is the Messiah. And this, this prophecy by the prophet Zechariah says this, your king comes to you. It comes to you, he comes to you on a donkey. Jesus in this moment, by riding specifically a donkey, is saying to everyone he passes by that I am the Messiah. And I come to you in humility. See, despite being well-versed in Hebrew scriptures, Jewish people, though they were looking for someone to come, uh, they were looking for this king, I'm not sure if they wanted him to come on a donkey. They were hoping for a conquering king on a horse. See, in ancient times, when a king would enter a city, he actually would come on a, on a white steed, this giant white horse. And I think, actually, if you look at Napole- some images of like Napoleon, right, he's often riding on this white horse. Well, this is what the Jewish people wanted. They wanted this victor, this, this, this king who would ride on a white horse and kind of bring peace by sword. But Jesus enters the town as was prophesied on a donkey. And Palm Sunday reminds us that Christ came in humility, peacefully, to bring a peace greater than we understand. Evidence in the way he came with all of heaven at his disposal, he chose humility. And this was unexpected. They wanted peace by the sword. See, these Jewish people under Roman oppression weren't looking for someone on a donkey. You know, recently, in the past year or so, there's been an Instagram account that's gotten a lot of popularity. It's called Preachers and Sneakers. And what they do is actually they they take pictures of prominent speakers and preachers, and they, then they kind of zoom in on, their, on the shoes that they're wearing, and then they list how expensive some of these shoes are. And it was actually highly controversial for a while because some of these people that we idolize were wearing, you know, $3,000 shoes, and people are going, wait a second, this doesn't add up. And there's another one as well uh, uh, that's called Profits and Watches, and it zooms in on their watch. And 
But it, it's interesting. I say that to say this, that's, that oftentimes I'm reminded in leadership that w- when, what you do and how you act, it all communicates something, and sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. But in the case of Jesus, he's saying, look, I'm not coming in a Tesla. I'm not coming on a tank. I'm coming on a donkey. I'm coming to bring a peace. I'm coming to, to do something greater than you're, you're even expecting. See, these people, they, they wanted a conqueror that would conquer over the enemy, but Jesus came to conquer over Satan. They, they, they wanted someone to set them free from their oppressors, but Jesus came to set them free from their sin. Jesus wanted, they wanted someone to establish kind of the family of God, reestablish it, but Jesus actually opens the doors, breaks down the barriers, and welcomes the Gentiles in. And nevertheless, it seems that there was this hysteria, this hype, this excitement around this man Jesus walking through town. And, and, and they began to celebrate and sing and wave their palm branches back and forth. And they laid their cloak, cloaks down on the ground in submission. And people began to shout and sing. In Luke 19.35, it says this. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the ground. When he came near to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully praising God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. What a picture of Jesus riding down and the disciples following him and people following him, crowds, and they're shouting, they're celebrating in loud voices. It's, for those of you that don't think worship should be exciting and loud, well, it seems that that's how the disciples did it, and so that's how we should do it. And so Hosanna, actually, they began to say this word that we know so well in Matthew, Mark, and John. It says they said this word, uh, the Hosanna, which means save now. It's this praise where it says, like, God, grant us salvation, and people seem to be getting it. Save us, grant us salvation, blessed is this king who comes to us. What a tremendous picture as Jesus, the Lamb of God, is being ridden into Jerusalem on the same day that the very people celebrating him would likely be going to find their lamb to sacrifice for them for their sins. How amazing, how poetic, how miraculous, hordes of people celebrating and praising. But the religious Pharisees in the crowd had a problem with this. Of course they had a problem with this. You know, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I can just hear them. Tell them to calm down. They're getting too excited. They're getting too rowdy. Tell them to relax. And Jesus responds to this and he says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. It's like, look, if they don't celebrate right now, the very rocks, the ground we're walking on, they will celebrate. And it's an interesting moment where where in the past Jesus was super modest about his messiahship and his plan and who he was and and, and where he came from. Now it seems to say that doesn't matter anymore. Now is the time for celebration. Salvation has come. The king has come. And I believe that preparing for Easter, as we have Easter next week, that that if we don't worship Jesus... Jesus says that the very earth will burst forth in praise. And I'm not, I'm not sure that this is something literal. In fact, I don't think it was. And we see in scripture like Psalm 114.6 where it talks about the mountains leaping. Isaiah 55.12 says, You will go out in joy. You'll be led forth in, pr- in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Jesus is saying, look, look, 
I'm not telling them to calm down. I'm not telling them to tone it down. I'm not telling them to stop because now is a time for celebration. Even creation recognizes the significance of this visitation. The significance of this visitation where, where God is making himself known to say, this is who I am. But not everyone would. Not everyone would celebrate. Not everyone would appreciate this. And, and in fact, Jesus knew that some would not recognize the significance of this moment. And it broke his heart. Let's see what happens in verse 41. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Now we've seen Jesus weep in other areas of scriptures, once over Lazarus, once where he talks about them being like sheep without a shepherd. And on this occasion, he, he, he's weeping for this reason. In verse 42, it says this, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. Jesus is weeping because they, they didn't know, they didn't comprehend what would bring them real peace. They, they want a peace of one kind, but they got something else. Now, it was predicted in scriptures that the Jewish people would actually, some would reject Jesus. However, Jesus is still moved with grief. See, it's Jesus' desire, it's God's desire that all would be saved and none would perish. But as we look at this, when we look at celebrating Easter in a way that honors God, it's to properly remember and celebrate why he came. And the truth is, today it's easy to think Jesus came for our health or our wealth, or to fix our economic situation, or to end all social injustice, or to bring earthly peace as we see it. But God help us if we end up like those in Jerusalem who worshipped him, some for good reasons, but not the reason Jesus came. They wanted something good, but they wanted that good thing more than they wanted why truly Jesus came. And it broke his heart. But you know, it's, it's easily done. We want oftentimes what God can give us. We want what he can do for us. And the whole forgiveness of sins thing, yeah, that's just kind of, that's nice too. But let's not get it twisted. Easter and the coming of Jesus is first about God desiring to fix this problem of sin. And so he sends his son Jesus in the form of a man, in the form of a humble servant, to walk a life of, of, of perfection here on earth and that one day he would die on a cross for our sake. You know, when I think of Jesus, I think of how he's my provider, how he's my comforter, how, how, how he liberates those who are oppressed, how he's a teacher. But we must not miss the point that he's our savior. He's our Savior. See, my hope is that as we get ready for Easter, we would be like the people who celebrate this truth that the King has come and he's made a way for us to be made right before God. The next few verses, it talks about how Jesus looks forward and he says like, actually, I'll read it to you. I'll read it to you in Luke 19. It says this. It says, For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will tear you down to the ground and your children within you. They will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus, he's weeping over this city. He's saying, if only you had known what would really bring you true peace. You don't recognize the significance of this visitation. See, this word peace is, is, is not just how we understand it. 
It's not how we understand it. He looks forward to this desolation that's coming upon them by their Roman oppressors. And his heart breaks knowing that in their pursuit for earthly peace and their pursuit for, for utopia and their, their best ideal, they would be left without lasting hope. Let me say that again. In, in their pursuit of this earthly peace, they would be left without lasting hope. See, this word peace we talk about is not necessarily how they understood it. Peace for them was blessing. It, it was prosperity. It wasn't just no trouble. And he says, if only you had known that this day, what, that while on this day would truly bring you peace, See, in pursuit of a life of favor, in pursuit of, of what they thought was ideal, they would miss the significance of this moment. And my prayer for us as a church, that as we celebrate Easter, we would not miss the forest through the trees. We would, we would celebrate this great truth that Jesus came to deliver us from sin and make a way for us to be with God. It's easy to want what God has for us and not want God himself. But thanks be to God, that through what's accomplished on the cross this upcoming Easter weekend, we get him. We get him. See, some of the, some of the same people who welcomed him with palm, palm branches and songs would four days later on Passover shout, crucify him, crucify him. And my heart for us as a church is that as we proclaim Hosanna, save us now because we know he's our savior that may we worship and celebrate and contemplate the significance of the Easter weekend, not for our own fickle gain, but may we join with churches all over Milton, all over the, in Ontario, Canada, and the world who are celebrating this one truth that Jesus came, he died, and he rose again, giving us new life. May we recognize this truth that the King has come. He's arrived and he's provided away. Church, as we prepare for Easter, may today be an encouragement to you to reflect on why Jesus came. Have you lost the wonder of the cross? That outside of all the great things that, that is accomplished through it, that he's made a way for you to have full access to the Father, forgiven, and that you can experience eternal life with him forever. My prayer is that we would not Forget the significance this Easter weekend. Church, I love you, and uh, we bless you, and we're so excited to see you next week, both online and in person. God bless. Mm -hmm.